Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. What then are we to say? Should we continue to sin in order that grace may increase? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed. So we might no longer be enslaved to sin for whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Word of God for us this morning. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, for the opportunity to worship you, to glorify you, to call you Lord, Master, and Savior of our lives. Lord, in this day, as we come to this word, as it is proclaimed, I simply ask you that your thoughts will be my own, that you'll use my mouth, O Lord, to be your mouth, and to speak, O Lord, the truth that you have for us this morning. Help us to receive it. Help us to apply it. Help us to live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul was a firm believer in grace. Now, how do you become a firm believer in something? You experience it fully. You actually experience it, and you come to believe in it. Paul was on the road to Damascus, as we know the story, when Jesus appeared to him in a flash of light, blinded him, and just let him know that he had been on the wrong side of things. Paul had been persecuting Christians. He had been throwing them in jail and having them killed and being witness to their martyrdom. And even though he had done all those things, God showed him an incredible amount of grace and not only forgiving him, for all those things he had done, but in calling him to become an apostle and a messenger of his gospel. He knew what it meant to have a lot forgiven because he had done a lot against the Christian movement early on. So when he writes to the church in Rome, he writes to them from the, the position of somebody who has experienced grace in the midst of sin. He writes to them as one who knows what it means to have a lot forgiven. And so in chapter 5, he told them, he said, 
Where, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. That, has been, that had been his experience in his own life. Wherever sin abounds, grace abounds even more. In essence, what Paul was saying to them is, you can never be too far gone for God to redeem you and to forgive you. You can never be so rotten that God cannot give you a new life and a new identity in Christ. You can never be so evil that God can't turn your heart to good and transform you from the inside out. There is no amount of sin that is so great that God's grace can't cover it. And that is really good news. And that is something that we need to be reminded of. There is no amount of sin that can't be forgiven by the grace of God. But sometimes when we say things, we worry that what we have said will be misunderstood. I mean, this is especially true of our children. Have you noticed that they kind of hear what they want to hear when you say something? I mean, you tell them, you know, you can't have a cookie before dinner, and they go, well, which dinner? I had dinner yesterday, so I guess I can have a cookie now. See, they take the words, and they sometimes don't understand what you meant by them, or they understand how much they want to understand, and they, they begin to twist your words a little bit. Growing up, my children were world wordsmiths. They would take whatever I said, and they could craft it into something that I did not say. And you see, Paul knew that, that people reading his letters would do the same thing. So he, he writes to them in chapter 6 to clarify what he meant by something he said in chapter 5. In chapter 5, verse 20, Paul said, Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And after he wrote that and after he put that down, he read it to himself and he said, Oh, I can see how this could go really, really bad. I see how this could be misinterpreted. I see how somebody could take this and think that I'm telling them that since grace is so, so abundant and so great, then they should just not worry about sin, just keep sinning. It doesn't matter because grace is so huge. And so knowing that this could be misinterpreted, he writes to them in chapter 6 regarding sin and our desire not to do sin anymore. Because hearing what he said, you might think, well, the more sin, the more grace. Well, let's bring the sin on, right? Let's have some more sin so that grace may abound. So he begins chapter 6 with rhetorical questions. What then are we to say? Should we continue to sin in order that grace may increase? Now, you know what a rhetorical question is, right? A rhetorical question is one that doesn't need to be answered because everybody knows the answer before the question's even finished. It's one of those questions that should be a big duh in terms of the response. Everybody should know the answer to this. And so before he even finishes the thought, he already knows what he's going to say. He blurts out, by no means, by no means should you go on sinning so that grace may abound. When he says by no means, it indicates that there's no circumstance or situation where we should be seeking to sin so that we can receive more grace. 
There's no circumstance in which God is going to want you to go do something evil so that he can forgive you. There is no circumstance, silch, sip, nada, none, under which God would want that. Paul, however, understands that the people in Rome that are in the church need more than just his word about this. That they need to understand the theological explanation. That they need to understand why it is that we should not go on sinning if we know that sin brings about God's grace. So Paul explains it in this way. We have died to sin when we were baptized into Christ Jesus and his death. In baptism, we died with him so that we can be part of his resurrection. What Paul is telling them right here in theological terms is that baptism is a time in which we put something to death in us. Something is given up in us at our baptism. And what is it that dies in our baptism? According to Paul, it is the old self, the old me that preferred sin to the will of God. It is the old self that wanted to continue to stay in the mud and in the dirt of sin. It is the old self that wanted to continue to live selfishly instead of living for God. That part of us in baptism is buried with Christ. It's buried with Jesus. And when we emerge from those baptismal waters, what Paul is claiming is that we come out as a new creation in Christ with a new perspective and a new understanding, and a new purpose. Well, we know that sounds all well and good, but we still sin, don't we? We still go through temptation. So what exactly is he meaning when he says that it, it's dead to us, or that we're dead to it? It means that we don't dwell in our sin anymore. It means every time we sin, we know that we can go to Jesus to receive forgiveness and grace because he took all of our sins to the cross. It means that we have committed ourselves to Jesus Christ, and in that commitment we were born again, and as a new creation, we can't continue to do the old that we used to do. It has to be left behind. And one that seeks to live for God, one that seeks to be a new creation, doesn't let sin take dominion in their lives. So what did we do with the old self? Well, according to Paul, we crucified it with Christ so that we might no longer be slaves to sin. It's sad to think that we, are, we have been enslaved to sin. That at one point in our lives, we were victims of sin's chains that kept us from following God's perfect will in our lives. When we come to Jesus, we are freed and redeemed from the penalty of sin, which we know the Bible says is death. But we know that we still suffer with the presence of sin in this body and this flesh. We're still tempted and tried every single day. Paul was explaining that we... We no longer go into those temptations in the same way that we used to, though. 
That the fact that we have been born again and the fact that we have been baptized with Christ into his death means that we no longer go into those temptations as those who are defeated and enslaved, but we go into them as those who are victorious and have been set free. That's a completely different way to go through temptation, folks. When you go in as if you've already lost, you're in trouble. Most of us have watched peewee teams go in and play. And I love how coaches always encourage them to go out and give it their best. But every now and then, you'll see one of those kids that go, why even try? We're going to lose. With that defeatist attitude, like I can't do it. And you know, there are Christians that go through temptation and go through trials in the same way. They go in assuming that they're already defeated. They go in assuming that they're still bound by sin. They go in assuming that they can't make it through and they forget that Jesus already took all the sins to the cross. He already took our temptations and our trials. And he's already given us forgiveness and grace. If Jesus paid it all on the cross, why would we go right back to sinning why would we go to do things that are not pleasing to God? I mean, you wouldn't roll out of the shower and go out in the backyard and find a mud hole and get yourself in it like a pig. You wouldn't get rescued from a burning building and then go, you know what, I think I'm going to go back in the burning building. You wouldn't get rescued from drowning and go, you know what, I'm just going to go in the deep end and jump back in. We wouldn't do any of those things. By no means would we do those things. And that is what Paul is getting at. You know, it's in Lily's word, it would be stupid to do those things. But we do them sometimes. We have been rescued. We have been cleaned. We have been redeemed at a great price. Do not go and sin more just because grace abounds. It's not an excuse to do evil. How many of you have heard the phrase, you're dead to me? We've heard that phrase, right? When do we use that phrase? It usually is a phrase that we don't use very lightly. It's not one you throw around. When you tell somebody, you're dead to me, what you're basically saying is, you have caused me so much pain or heartache or difficulty in my life that I want nothing at all to do with you anymore. I'm cutting off the relationship. I'm not talking to you. I am basically cutting you off. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't invite me. Nothing. I, wanna, I want us to go our separate ways. Paul was saying, look, you have said that you are with Christ and that you are dead to sin. And if sin is really dead to you, then why in the world are you paying it any attention? Why in the world are you giving it the time of day? Why in the world would you indulge in it in any way? Why would you do anything related to sin? If you have died with Christ, that means that there's nothing more to say to it. And there's nothing more to do with it. But you know what? Sin is like a jealous ex 
who keeps texting you and calling you and trying to get you to do things you're not supposed to do. We shouldn't indulge in it, but sin continues to call us back. And we're not to play with it. We're not to to engage in it because it has the power to kill, destroy. It has the power to lead us away from the grace that we have received. It has the power to distract us from the perfect will of God. It has so much that it can wreak havoc in our lives with that Paul says don't even deal with it. When it calls, hang up on it. When it invites you to something, say, no, thank you. I don't want to engage in that. When sin tries to take over, remind it that you only have one Lord and Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we have to remind sin that we will not allow it to enslave us anymore because we have been set free in Christ. And when sin tries to dominate our lives, we need to grab onto the authority and the power of Jesus to continue to live our lives for him. Paul is just saying, if you break up with sin, really break up. Don't keep doing the rebound thing. You know what the rebound thing is, right? Well, we're kind of broken up, but we're not, and we go back and forth and back and forth. Paul wants us to really be committed to the breakup with sin, to never go back to it. And there's a reason. We have a new love. Our love is Jesus Christ. The lover of our souls is the one who was willing to give his life on a cross for us. You know, what has sin done for you lately? Nothing good. Nothing productive. Nothing that benefits you. All sin brings is death, havoc, and destruction. But Jesus Christ brings life, forgiveness, grace, mercy, love, patience, kindness. So much. So many gifts that come with Jesus Christ when he is Lord of our lives. Paul wants us to live as those who are already alive in Christ and dead to sin. Dead people don't make phone calls. Dead people don't respond to invitations. Dead people don't engage. He says, next time sin comes calling, tell him, not only are you dead to me, I'm dead to you. Because I died for Jesus on the cross. And I want nothing to do with you. I love Jesus. And in Jesus I have everything I need. But it's so hard for us to stay faithful sometimes. To stay faithful to what Jesus has called us to do. And to understand that God still expects us to live a life of holiness dedicated completely to his kingdom. It's hard for us because so many times our ex continues to bug us. And we give it, give it too much attention, too much space. Remember that just as we died with Christ, Paul tells us that we will be raised with him in his resurrection. 
That's a promise that we have from Jesus that sin cannot compete with. Sin can only offer you death. Jesus offers you life and life abundant. It should be a duh of which deal is better. You would think that it would be an obvious choice. Yet there are so many times that we see people going back to their ex, to the sin, and continuing to engage in it. I pray that we will sin no more, that we will live lives worthy of the calling that we have in Jesus Christ, and that we will seek every day to lift up the name of Jesus so that others will know him as Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you because you have given us abundant grace, grace that can cover all of our sin, grace that can cover all our deficiencies. Help us, O Lord, to understand that this grace should be received responsibly, that we should receive it with thankful hearts, that we should receive it with grateful attitudes, that we should receive it, O Lord, and celebrate it as something that inspires us to live in holiness and righteousness before you. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that if there's any that are struggling with their sin, Lord, that you will remind them that you have taken all their sins to the cross, that you will remind each and every one of us that you have forgiven us so that we can walk in newness of life and that you will empower us, O oh Lord, to walk in that newness to walk in that new life that you have called us to. On this day, O oh Lord, as I open the altar, I just pray, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin, that your Holy Spirit will remind us that we need to bring it before you to be forgiven, and that once you forgive it, Lord, you invite us to go and sin no more. Help us, Lord, to live righteously by you. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is open if you would like to come up for prayer today as we worship.